Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. It's great to have you here with me for a Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. This is edition number 13 of season 8 as we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. We are in chapter 2 and we're going to complete paragraph 2 today. Let's pray first and then we'll take up these matters together. Father, as we come now to these very important truths and the way in which your word reveals yourself to your creatures, we thank you that you have indeed revealed yourself. You have taught us by your Spirit who you are and what you do and all of your works and all of your acts designed to bring glory to Christ and to uh, usher in a people that are your chosen possession, the very apple of your eye. We pray as we meditate upon your goodness and grace, we meditate upon your person, your beauty, your majesty, that we would be strengthened for the journey, that you would help us that we would pursue righteousness and godliness, that we would seek first your kingdom and righteousness. We pray that you'd help us, that you would forgive us and you would cleanse us from our sin and transgressions and that you would open our eyes to these very important things, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, in the Tuesday edition, we looked at the first half of paragraph two as the confession in chapter two of God and of the Holy Trinity continues to describe and to uh, articulate matters related to the God of heaven, the one true and living God, as we see in paragraph one, this God who has determined to reveal himself to his creatures. And it's important to recognize first that God did reveal himself. He did tell us something about who he is and what he does. We find that, of course, in the Holy Scriptures, And that is uh, one of the reasons why that is the chapter that precedes this one. But of course, as we're dealing with the doctrine of God now, we have uh, learned that it is vitally important for us to take up matters related to who he is and what he does before we take up matters related to man. Uh, We do that, of course, so that we avoid the temptation to create God in our image. We, We need to understand who God is and then understand ourselves in light of that. Now, in the Tuesday edition, we consider how God hath all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself, all sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he hath made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, unto, and upon them. He is the alone fountain of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things, and hath most sovereign dominion over them, to do by them, for them, or upon them, whatsoever himself pleases. Now, in today's edition, we're going to finish this paragraph. There we read, In his sight, all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature, so as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain. He is most holy in all his counsels and all his works and in all his commands. To him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require of them. And so there's a number of issues here, a number of phrases that we need to consider and and reflect upon and perhaps draw certain applications 
uh, from them as we go through them. The first phrase here to note is that the confession tells us that in his sight, that is God's sight, all things are open and manifest. Now the proof text for that is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That is to say, we simply cannot hide from God. Uh, there is no possibility of doing such thing. This is what our first parents tried to do in the Garden of Eden. They hid themselves. They hid themselves because of their sin, because of their shame. They tried to avoid the all-piercing eyes of a God who sees and knows all things. Now, that is a folly of man to try to hide from the all-knowing God. All things are indeed open and exposed to him. He sees them all. He hears every thought. He, he hears every word. He sees every action. He knows every motive. He knows everything there is to know about us. And so we cannot hide we might as well go ahead and acknowledge the reality that God who sees all things will indeed hold us accountable for those things that we think we're doing in secret. God knows. And so for those things that we may be doing in secret that are not pleasing to Him, we should repent of them, we should confess them, we should seek His favor and grace, which He is glad to give, but we should do those things and turn away from them for those, indeed those things that are contrary to His will. So in all, in his sight, all things are open and manifest. Then we come to this next phrase, his knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature. And in Psalm 147, and in verse, um, verse 5, again, I'm just using the proof texts that are given by the, by the Westminster Assembly, uh, Psalm 147, verse 5, we read, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Who knows who can understand the mind of the Lord? He who is omniscient, who knows all things. Everything he, everything he knows, he knows instantly. God does not learn. Everything he knows is beyond our ability to comprehend. It's without fail, and it is independent upon us. That is to say that we don't teach him anything. We don't inform him of anything. He immediately knows all things. He is the I am. Not the I was or will be. He is the I am of heaven and earth. Now this should bring us some comfort, frankly, as we pray and plead with the God of heaven. None of us pray perfectly. None of us offer to him the things that we should, or sometimes we offer to him things that we shouldn't. Uh, we are not informing God of matters that, are, that have come to us in our lives. He is, painful. he is clearly aware of those pains and sorrows and struggles and issues that we face every single day. But at that, with that said, he has told us and in fact invited us to come to him, to cast our cares before him, to set those needs there. And we know that in some mysterious way, the Fervent prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Reminded of Elijah who prayed fervently that it might not rain in the earth. And for three years and six, six months it did not rain. And then he prayed again and then the heavens gave forth rain. The earth bore its fruit. And so while these things are all true, the fact remains that God's knowledge is infinite. There is no end of it. He knows all things. It's infallible. Everything he knows is true and right he knows it because um, he has decreed it. It's independent upon us. We do not inform God of anything. 
Next, we come to this phrase, so as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain. Now, in Ezekiel 11, um, in verse 5, there uh, we read again using, merely just using the proof text to, to root these matters in the, uh, the unchangeable word of God so that we can see that these things are not invented by men, but they come right out of the scriptures. Ezekiel 11, verse 5, And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, and he said to me, Say, thus says the Lord, So you think, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. And that is to say, simply that God knows all that we think. God knows that all that we are pondering, all that we are considering. And for him, things are not contingent. Now, we make decisions every single day, and we make them based on contingencies. We, we, we spend a lot of time weighing matters that are important. We weigh the consequences. We establish various uh, points along the way as we work through things. This is not how God does things. Uh, everything is exposed and open to him immediately. There is no sense in which um, the consequences force or determine God's decrees or his judgments. And so nothing is uncertain to him, nothing is contingent to him. He is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his uh, commands. Psalm 145 and uh, verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. And this is simply to say, friends, that there, there is no error in God. Everything that he does, everything that he decrees to do, all acts of providence that fall out through our day is, is derived from the holy knowledge and wisdom of this God whose knowledge and understanding is infinite. Now this should give us comfort as Christians because he, our Heavenly Father, is busy about the task of conforming us more and more to the image of Christ. And that is simply to say that as you drive to work today and you get a flat tire, this was not a surprise to God. He did not learn, nor will he learn how you respond to that flat tire. I realize it's not a pleasant experience, and, and, um, but be that as it may, it was designed from the hands of a holy God who for him, nothing is uncertain. There are no contingencies. He's ordered this, however, for the good of his child, for your good and for mine. And this applies to every difficulty, every dark providence that comes into our lives. We need to see and look beyond the circumstance to a holy God who is also a gracious father who is working to mold us and conform us to the image of Christ. Is that not what every Christian wants? To be more like Christ, to respond to these things in the way Christ responded to suffering and hardship in his ministry as he served on this earth. And so, in all that he does, it's holy, and all that he commands is holy. As he commands us to worship him the way he is ordered in his word, it is rooted in his holiness. As he commands us to obey him, it's rooted in his holiness. All of these things are rooted ultimately in the very holiness of God. To him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require of them. Because he is holy, because he is other, that is to say he is not like us, he is the thrice holy God, he is as creator, able, willing, and he does demand of angels and men and every other creature whatever worship 
service or obedience he is pleased uh, to demand or require of them. Now we look at Revelation chapter um, Revelation chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the, on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. God has a right to demand of his creatures whatever he is so pleased to demand. We know that those things that he demands are holy, they're good, they're righteous. There's never any error in any of them. Much the same way as parents have a right to establish and erect rules in their home that they expect their children to obey. God is the authority. God is creator, and as such, we are obligated then, therefore, to seek out his will, to understand his mind as given in the scriptures, and then to obey that which he says. It's a contradiction, isn't it, to say, yes, Lord, but we must be quicker. We must heed the voice of God as he speaks in the scriptures. Look, he gives these commands for the good of his creatures. Uh, He does not heap these burdens upon us, as it were, uh, just because he can, just because he wants to trouble us. He knows our frame. He knows that we are dust. And without these commands, without these things being applied to our minds and our hearts and our consciences, we would go astray egregiously. And we see that happening in our world today as man continually resists the very commands and ordinances of God who is alone holy Man suffers the consequences of those things. And so we seek out his will in the scriptures. We hear his will as preached on the Lord's Day. As you read your Bible, you take note of the things that he commands of you. And you you plead then with the Spirit of God to help you be obedient. One of the things I pray for myself frequently is that God would give to me what he commands of me. Now, that expresses, of course, a certain degree of desire to be obedient, but it also recognizes that without Him, I am incapable of obeying. So I'm asking that God would grant me His Holy Spirit, that I would then serve Him as He has told me. Thus, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Who's done that? No one, none of us. We are creatures of dust. There's indwelling sin. We fall short of this glory every day. But the command, nonetheless, exists to love our neighbor, even as we love ourselves. And so we pray, Lord, give to me what you command. May I love you uh, insofar as is possible for a sinner to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love my neighbor insofar as is possible for a sinner, even as I love myself. And so we pray these things, we recognize as we do that he is indeed, he is indeed um, the only one who is worthy to demand. He is the only one who's able to demand from his creatures, angels, men, whatever it is that he says, whatever it is that he does, whatever worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require of them. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I realize we're, we're moving relatively rapidly. It's a devotional after all. I'm not doing this. To, it's not designed to be a deep theological treatise of the confession. It's just meant to 
touch on some matters and seek to apply some of these things so that you might see that the confession is very much a pastoral document. It's not just a dry, dusty theological uh, document. But I trust they are helpful for you. And if you have any comments or questions, please leave me a note. You can do that. The way to do that is there before you on the screen. And so until the Thursday edition, when we uh, uh, look at paragraph 3 of chapter 2 and complete that chapter, may the Lord help you today. May you strive to be obedient to all that God has said. God bless.